Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Simon, and as usual, the show is called The Stories We Live By. And uh, let, let me talk a little bit about why this particular show this week. I um, felt kind of badly when I hung up last week after uh, discussing and describing why I think uh, America, the country I love and live in, is going into the shithole. Um, and I really believe that is happening. I believe that we are in desperate, desperate trouble. Um, I don't think it can be overstated. I think even the politicians now admit, although they have to sound more hopeful than I do, uh, because they have taken on responsibility for fixing the mess that most of them have created. Uh, again, it doesn't, for me, uh, make it uh, seem as if uh, we're going to see any kind of drastic change. But I felt bad, and I felt kind of guilty hanging up, because it seems to me uh, that in the last few months, maybe even longer, I've kind of given up on my portion of the struggle. That is, uh, continually speaking out and dealing with the area of psychiatry and psychology, and once again, for those of you who have heard me before, when I talk about the word psychiatry and I use psychiatry, I include clinical psychology, clinical social work, all of the fields that have bought into the same bad science and bad nonsense and, and destructive ideas and attitudes uh, that come out of psychiatry. So um, I... I feel at this point I really should reassert my assault on these fields. I kind of gave up because um, after taking a beating from the field for a long time uh, and then retiring, uh, speaking out, but after a while saying, who's listening and does it really matter? And I think that's a sin, uh, a, a sin of, of withdrawal that as long as there's life and hope, I think it's all of our responsibility to speak out and act in a way uh, that makes things better. And I do believe that psychiatry, psychology, uh, social work are so destructive to the human spirit uh, in, in their entirety, in their mainstream uh, use of the idea of mental illness and all of them now getting on board, virtually the fields getting on board with the idea of drugs, uh, being a cure for all of the social, psychological, uh, economic, and political ills that intersect to make the lives of so many people so difficult, so miserable, uh, so confusing, etc. So uh, I'm going to begin today with an article that I decided I would make a show on back in December 18th in the New York Times entitled Psychiatrists Revise the Book of Human Troubles by the author Benedict Carey. And I'm going to go through a little bit of this, of this uh, article. And uh, I've extended this show for an hour because I really do feel I want to uh, create a really solid argument for those who will listen to this um, so that if they decide ever to go to a psychiatrist, or a psychologist or a social worker, they go armed. They go to somebody who can really help them 
rather than somebody who will add to their misery, to their confusion, uh, and end up seriously damaging them, damaging them uh, worse than they were already uh, in, in pain. Uh, so, and I mean literally damaged, because the psychiatric drugs uh, that are being pushed, I do believe, are, hello, Mary, and it's nice to see you again. Um, the, the psychiatric drugs that they're pushing now, ever more drugs, uh, I think, are, are uh, deadly fair. Uh, so I'm not going to pull any punches. Now, I, I say at the beginning of this that I know a lot of very good people in the field. Okay? And they're caught. They're caught. Um, they're caught by the fact that if they're earning a living, they need to sign insurance forms. And if they need to sign insurance forms, they have to put down a diagnosis. The problem is, that these diagnoses are not diagnoses. They're simply bad names that we call people who are behaving in ways that A, we don't understand, and B, we don't like to see. Now, it's true that some of the people uh, who go to, for help feel that there's something wrong with them because they don't understand their own behavior and uh, they don't like what they're doing to themselves and others. But that doesn't mean that they have to see somebody for medical reasons and doesn't mean they have to see uh, uh, somebody who will write a script out, a prescription, that will put them on drugs for the rest of their life that uh, disorder the brain uh, uh, to produce the effects that they may or may not like. So let me talk a little bit about this article. Uh, again, I hope there are some psychologists eventually who will listen to this show. I can tell you that um, a lot of the friends that I, I uh, worked with in an organization called the International Center for the Study of Psychiatry and Psychology, ICSPP, would agree with me in principle and would agree with me in private about what I'm saying, that the field is built on a lie, a lie that you are mentally disordered and require some kind of treatment uh, with or without drugs because of your uh, attitudes, behavior, emotional suffering. But pri publicly, they can't afford to do this. And so when I began to demand this of them, when I began to say the field is a fraud and must, most of our best efforts uh, of bringing people to some sort of experience of truth about their lives is defeated by the very lie that we engage them, uh, namely that they're sick or disordered, um, they got more and more upset. And of course, more and more angry, because when people are threatened, they get angry. You fight against things that threaten you. And I sympathize and fully understand with the fact that when people have to earn a living, uh, they're going to defend. But uh, we're participating in a debacle in a, in, a, in, a, in a societal uh, uh, escapade, if you will, that's destroying the very nature of the society that we're living in. And I'll talk a little bit about that uh, later. So the article goes on to say that psychiatrists are now working on the fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders and will have consequences for years to come because of insurance reimbursement, research questions that are asked, and the individual psychological identity. See, that to me is one of the critical issues. 
what happens to the identity of somebody who uh, is called sick and disordered and then told that they have a brain disorder that uh, is causing this and that the answer to their problems is not a different life and different relationships with others and themselves, which is what I believe, but a taking of drugs, taking of powerful drugs. The, the article goes on to discuss um, there are going to be serious problems in creating the fifth edition, which assumes there are serious problems with the fourth edition now still in use and has been in use for a number of years. Uh, Edward Shorter, a leading historian of psychiatry, whose latest book, Before Prozac, is critical of the manual. He states, this is not cardiology or nephrology, where the basic diseases are well known. In psychiatry, no one knows the causes of anything, so classification can be driven by all sorts of factors, political, social, and financial. What you have in the end, Mr. Shorter said, is this process of sorting the deck of symptoms into syndromes, and the outcome all depends on how the cards fall. Psychiatrists involved in preparing the new manual contend that it's too early to say for sure which cards will be added and which dropped. Um, the current edition of the manual, which was published in 2000, describes 283 disorders, triple the number of the first edition published in 1952. I have little doubt, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, and whoever, that the new manual will have probably triple the amount of disorders uh, that uh, uh, co compared to now. And all of them, all of these individuals be told there's something wrong with you for your behavior and something wrong with you, and therefore uh, you require extensive treatment. You require, uh, in most cases, Individual treatment in psychotherapy and or plus some drug so that the therapist can make out, the psychiatrist can make out, and the drug companies, those bandits, can make out like bandits. So um, let me talk a little about, I mean, one of the things that they're being discussed is binge eating. Uh, Dr. Frist, a professor of psychiatry at Columbia who edited the fourth edition, but is not involved in the fifth, suggests a lot of people want that included in the manual, binge eating, uh, but there's, and there's some research out there, some evidence that drugs are helpful, but binge eating is also a normal behavior, and you run the risk of labeling up to 30% of people with a disorder they don't really have. Yes, everybody I know binges. I mean, at what point do you say the binging is a disorder? Since it's an arbitrary moral judgment, and I want to describe why I believe that's the case, uh, arbitrary moral judgment, uh, any amount of binging can be described, therefore, as a disorder. There is no hard data, no physiological data that can describe why people binge eat or how many times binge eating leads to a problem. So let me now talk a little bit about psychiatry. And I want to recommend a book to you. Uh, I'm involved here in my development with a book club, 
and I have convinced the folks in the book in the book club to read this particular book. And so I'm hoping that before we have our meeting, they will listen to this particular broadcast, and it, I think will help them in understanding and putting the book into a context that's different than the one that uh, Robert Whitaker, the author, uh, creates in his, in his wonderful book. The book is called Mad in America, Mad in America, Bad Science, Bad Medicine, and the Enduring Mistreatment of the Mentally Ill. Uh, Robert Whitaker, W-H-I-T-A-K-E-R. You can get this at Amazon. It's now out in paperback, 12 bucks at Amazon. You can get used copies for as little as $4. So we're not talking about a lot of money for, I think, a terrific investment. And even if you're not involved with psychiatry, I think it is a vital book. What Whitaker describes are the horrors, the horrors inflicted on people over the centuries by people who used to be called mad doctors because they dealt with the mad, uh, or those people who were first judged to be mad. Now we call them mentally ill or mentally disordered. Now, talk a little bit later about why this, this, this uh, separation in the word disorder and, and uh, in illness. Um, uh, he describes the, the incredible humiliation back in the 1700s where they believed that the mentally ill uh, had a problem uh, uh, with their uh, blood in their brain and that they were, had reduced to animals because they were no longer rational and rationality was the sign of a civilized person and how they had to be broken in spirit and given a master uh, and the torture that was used. I mean, you read these chapters and your hair stands on end. Right? And of course, the implication is for many of the historians of psychiatry, Shorter being one, uh, Dr. Shorter has a history of psychiatry that has an interesting uh, uh, bent to it. He describes all of that as, well, that's in the past. No, darlings, it's not in the past. The same words are being used. The same implication is being used today. But instead of torturing people, we drug them into submission. Uh, we, we, we silence them. Uh, we politically oppress them in all manner of ways. Again, unless you're lucky enough to find somebody who calls themselves a therapist, uh, uh, a word that should not be used, because there's no therapy going on here, there's no sickness going on here, there's no disease that's going on here. Good therapist teaches something. It helps somebody, in my opinion, to reorient the story that they live by, the story that contains them as a character and the life that they have been living, so that they change the story and leave it, live a different life. The result are different emotions, different relationships, ones that don't produce the confusion, the suffering, and the emotional and physical pain uh, that living the way they have been living engenders. Okay? So, what are we dealing with then? Uh, uh, this, by the way, a new book out. I'm going to get this book. I don't recommend it until... Uh, what did I do with my New York Times? Uh, what did I do with it? I had it prepared here. And you have ah here it is, the the book review this week, um, under the section paperback row, um, a book called Shyness: 
How a Normal Behavior Became a Sickness by Christopher Lane. And shyness, when I was growing up, I was shy. I became tongue-tied when I had to talk to a girl. I didn't think I was good-looking. I didn't think I had anything to say. I didn't think most girls had anything to say to me. I had sex on my brain most of the time, and it got in the way of establishing a relationship. So I didn't have sex. I didn't have a relationship. Um, I don't know whether he's going to end up. I'll read this book um, by Christopher Lane, How Shyness, How a Normal Behavior Became a Sickness. Uh, I will read this, um, not only because I'm interested to see the history of how it became, shyness became social anxiety disorder, but whether or not he follows through. Because if he demonstrates that this particular disorder isn't a disorder, that it's something completely different, that it's based on attitudes of self and others, that it's part of the story we live by, the ability to to get on with the opposite sex or to make friends in general. Um, If he does that, then he really has to go all the way and say that the entire field of psychiatry and all the fields that imitate it are frauds. And that, until they give up this fraudulence and reestablish it with something different and something better, um, the the, the nonsense is going to continue. The destruction of people will continue. It will get in the way of the help that many of these professionals really want to give. It will continue to breed cynicism, uh, damaged personalities, Bad stories to live by because you're not the hero of your story. You're a damaged individual in this story. Um, It will continue to lead to the destruction or add to the destruction going on in our society, a society of overweight junkies. And a lot of the people who are overweight are overweight in part because of the drugs that they're taking. So what are we dealing with? Let me first, and again, I've done this before, but I'm going to do it again, talk about what a medical problem entails, a true illness or sickness. And I'm not going to talk about the difference in the word between an illness and a sickness. An illness or a sickness that brings you to a well-trained medical practitioner, and I just saw my orthopedist today because my left knee is now uh, more screwed up than the right knee that I had operated on last year. It is a, an endless fight and a misery. Uh, took an MRI, and he's able to see with the MRI clearly that there's something physiologically wrong in the knee. The meniscus is torn, and I have, as I suspected, extensive arthritis in the knee. Okay. So nothing that will kill me, fortunately but something that needs a real medical treatment. And he's starting out conservative with a cortisone shot. Uh, We will put some uh, uh, Uflexa or a a fluid into the knee that is working fairly well now on the right knee. We'll see how that works. And if that doesn't work, we will opt for surgery because then he will peel back, clean out the knee, peel back the torn meniscus, go for therapy, and hopefully I will have another year in which I can function relatively pain-free until I have to actually go for some kind of knee replacement. That's a medical illness. If you have thirst, if you're urinating a lot, and you go to the doctor, and he says your blood sugar is too high, 
And the assumption which can be traced down is that your pancreas is not producing enough uh, uh, insulin. He will say you have the illness of diabetes. If you have pains in your stomach and they lower an endoscopy tube into your stomach and take pictures and show you that you have a hole in your stomach that we call an ulcer, a lesion, you have a medical problem. Now, if you have a tumor someplace and it can't be treated, then you have a more serious medical problem. But in all of these problems, arthritis, heart disease, ulcers, diabetes, cancer, all of these problems are diagnosed by medical doctors based upon the symptoms that the physiological problem creates. The symptoms are the things that bring you to the doctor. They define why organs are, what happens when organs and, and bones and blood are not working as they're supposed to. Okay? If you're with me, that defines medical problems. And until somebody can find out what the physiological problem is, there really is very difficult to have a treatment, uh, although things can be used, generalized things can be used, like aspirin or whatever, that produce generalized effects that may reduce the severity of the symptoms. But ultimately, what doctors seek and what we all seek is to have our ills that bring us to the physician properly diagnosed so that we have an idea, maybe what caused it, but what to do with this piece of physiology, this piece of our gut, this piece of our brain, the pieces in our bones, in our joints that are not operating properly and are causing us distress and, and dysfunction in our lives. What do we do about it, which is the treatment? Are you with me so far? I hope you're with me. I hope all your friends will listen to this. There are no no, no known causes, says Dr. Shorter, of anything in the DSM. Nothing. Not only that, are there no known causes of these behaviors, and it's always what people think, what they feel, what they're doing with themselves or others that leads them to the professional. I can't stop crying. I can't get out of bed in the morning. I want to kill my mother. I want to kill my wife. I want to kill myself. I can't talk to girls, I can't talk to boys, I'm confused, I can't concentrate, I can't sleep, all right? I'm unhappy all the time, I'm too excited. All of these things, these emotions and psychological states and behaviors, all of them have failed to demonstrate anything medical that causes any of them, individually or in groups. If you don't believe me, Pick up the new DSM-4, and in the introductory sections, it will tell you that no known physiological problems exist for any of the 283 disorders and hundreds of sub-disorders of these disorders that are in that book. There is no evidence whatsoever that any of these things are called are real illnesses, that they are medical conditions. None. And I will tell you, since I follow this, I will come on the air, and as soon as there's evidence of any kind, I promise I'll let you know. I'll shut up. I'll stop saying these things. Now, 
let's say we do find that somebody who hallucinates has some physiological problem, a brain chemical problem, or what we're told is that there's a chemical imbalance in the brain that causes depression. What would the doctor have to do here? This is what he would have to do. The medical people would have to show exactly what chemical is imbalanced in the brain and ultimately show how this contributes to the depression. Now, that's way down the road. But as long as they can demonstrate that this or that level of chemical is associated with the depression, and if we change that level of chemical, that we have a reduction in depression, we're going to be pretty happy that whatever treatment we get that changes the chemical level in our brain, in this case of depression, they've always pushed serotonin, although I don't hear that anymore. I don't hear that anymore. Uh, if this is the case, then um, we will be fairly sure that depression, in part or in total, has a physiological basis and is a medical problem requiring a medical treatment. Okay? No argument. But there is no evidence that depression, severe depressions, have any aspect to them that are physiological, biochemical in basis. There is no evidence that at all the psychiatrists have to admit that. It says it in the Yale Book of Psychiatry. It says it everywhere that they talk. They will find it, they claim. But until it's found, there is no such evidence. So what do we have when somebody is so depressed that they can't get out of bed or can't speak, comes tongue-tied when they have to speak in a social situation? What do we have? What we have is an unhappy individual. We have a situation. We have a mental attitude. We have unwanted behavior. And we have unwanted behavior that much of the time we can't explain. And sometimes the unwanted behavior can be somebody who claims to be God or hears voices and suffers terribly. They can't sleep because these voices are screaming at them that they're no good, that they should jump out the window. You'll notice I am not denying the suffering of this individual. But like the depressed individual, like the confused, like the socially unable, disabled individual, there is no evidence that these very meaningful voices, and they are meaningful, have any basis in any medical condition. Now, I do believe ultimately we will see that some of us are born emotionally and pain level more sensitive than others, that there are physiological differences, and if that's shown to be, and we diagnose those things as, as illnesses, okay, the problem that will be, of all these socially sensitive people, some become what we call crazy or mad, they develop what we call in the nomenclature schizophrenic, all right? Exactly, Marion. The moment they find evidence, a so-called mental illness would be no longer a psychiatric problem but a neurological one and no longer would be given to a psychiatrist, a social worker, a psychologist. It will be given to a neurologist. It will be given to somebody who is trained in the working of the brain, not in bad behavior that has been given a pseudo-medical label. And this is where we're at in our society. And an awful lot of people earn their living this way.
and are terrified to admit to the possibility that what they are living with, that they justify their field, earning a living and signing insurance forms and collecting money, is a delusion. Now, this is really very funny. If you look in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, one of the biggest symptoms of having schizophrenia or serious psychosis, like paranoia, would be a delusion. What is a delusion? A false belief that resists all evidence to the contrary. I can't think of a better example of a delusion than the entire DSM, the entire book. And therefore, all of us who sign insurance forms and live without ever telling ourselves or our patients or the people we call patients, again, I apologize for using that word, patient is what I was this morning when I walked into a legitimate medical doctor's office for diagnosis and treatment. When you sit down with me as the so-called therapist, I talk with you. We discuss your history. We discuss your background. I try to get you to see things differently and therefore experience the world emotionally in a different way. That's what most good so-called therapists do. It has nothing to do with medicine. Even though it may have positive medical outcomes, uh, uh, side effects, that you take better care of yourself, that you lose a lot of weight, that your diabetes resolves itself because of that, that you become more socially adept when you stop thinking of yourself as a dummy or a schmuck or the world's stupidest, ugliest person who shouldn't have been born. You see? Once that changes, once the self-labels change, there is profound change that takes place in a human being's life. And I know that because for 40 years I experienced it, both for myself family members, and the people I worked with that I was proud to work with and happy to work with. And some days I'm sorry that I don't work with, although never enough to want to come out of retirement and go through all of the difficulty uh, and struggle and try to earn a living where I would have to deal with psychiatrists and insurance forms, third-party payers, and be constantly attacked, belittled, uh, and told how crazy I was for the things I'm saying today on this show and in most of the shows that I've done before. Now, what we have instead of symptoms are simply unwanted behaviors that we as professionals call symptoms, call illnesses, and no longer call illnesses because the word disorder was sort of an acceptance that there is no medical problem, no known medical problem, you see. That uh, I, as a Ph.D. in psychology or somebody with an MSW, could not deal with true medical problems, but we could deal with a disorder. The very fact that most of the professionals I know won't see a depressed person, not all, most, unless they are on drugs prescribed by a psychiatrist, that the American Psychological Association, to their everlasting shame, is constantly pushing for psychologists to be able to write these prescriptions, means that they're double-talking, that they're talking out of both sides of their mouth, that if they're a psychoanalyst, they 
describe in some detail, according to one theory or another, how early childhood experiences can lead to depression and, and, and disturbed relationships. Right? Unhappiness that is uh, unwarranted, that the individual brings upon themselves without awareness. That, that is very different than if they walked away from these men. And I won't do that. I can't do this anymore. I will not, under any circumstances, ever sign another insurance form. Call somebody a patient okay? and, and go through the abuse and the fighting I had to because uh, of, of the threat that I was. And those of us, not just me, but those of us who uh, 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 believe that our field is built on a delusion, an illusion, and a fraud. Now, what are some of the consequences? Because I think they're very serious. One, it ignores the individual's motives and choices that get them into this situation. Most of us don't know the context of the life of the individuals that we see or experience in our relationships. Nobody really knows what it was like to grow up in someone else's house. And if you've ever lived in someone's house, when I was a kid and I began to sleep over, have sleepovers with some friends in their houses, I began to realize how unbelievably different the culture of that family could be from mine. In some ways, I was horrified by the culture of some of these families. In some ways, I came home saying, boy, I wish I could have been that mother and father's son. Life would have been very different under those circumstances. And even though I love my parents, it would have been very nice to, to have less, and I use the word here as a judgment, dysfunction uh, in my home that didn't seem to exist in the home of some of the people I visited. This ignores that. It, what it does, if it says that your brain is the problem, is reduce you, your identity, to a non-person. And if you read Mad in America, you will see that the whole justification for torturing people, for cutting out their brains, for, for engaging and joining with the eugenics movement, which was to get the mentally ill sterilized, to use birth control, and frankly, to, to be sterilized. How many people, were st hundreds and thousands of people, were sterilized against their will because family members put them into the care of the mad doctors, of the psychiatrists, who believe that because they were defective, they shouldn't be allowed to have children, that this was in their genes somehow. And even if it wasn't in their genes, they should be prevented from having offspring. I mean, talk about the dehumanization of an individual. It goes on today. And the moment you accept the diagnosis from a psychiatrist or a psychologist, the moment you do, you have dehumanized yourself. No matter what you think you're getting out of, no matter what you think you're escaping from, where you're going is worse than where you are. That the relief of your misery by saying you're not responsible because you're not really a person is ultimately more damaging to you than if you struggle with the problems that you have 
and recognize that many of these have been foisted upon you by context, by, by people who have confused you, by lies, by abuse of a variety of types, physical, psychological, and sexual, by being a child who, who believes that everything that goes wrong is the child's fault and therefore failing to move to what Piaget, the great developmental psychologist, called an operational state of mind in which you recognize that your parents' divorce had nothing to do with you, or you were not at fault for the infliction of pain uh, by a parent, an older sibling, an uncle, or somebody who did things to you that was criminal and wrong. So, You've been dehumanized the moment you accept these labels. Secondly, it ignores the social, political, and economic history of your problem. Poor people grow up very ashamed. Not all, but many of them do. I'm so excited by the election of Obama, Barack Obama. And look at the faces of African Americans, of people of color, that no longer can we say, that they are inferior as a group, that their skin color denotes something about them that is animalistic, that should prevent them from achieving a real success in life. There is now a president of the United, well, by, by Wednesday, a president, or is it tomorrow? I, have to, I can't remember. I can't remember anything these days. A man of color is going to be the most powerful man in the world. And all of the white people I know are hoping that he will be the kind of a person who will help reverse so much of the political and social damage that has been inflicted on us by us and our leaders by uh, the delusions of religion and politics that have been in sway uh, in the last eight years and even longer. So, uh, social uh, hierarchies are important to understand. It's, un it's understand economics. Political oppression exists uh, at every level of society, authoritarianism. And it has to be replaced by democratic institutions in which individuals are respected. That's my value system. But I back it up with my scientific experience, or my experience as a scientist, that says that when people are free to explore relationships, when they are comfortable in their own skin because they don't have to watch what they say or worry about what they feel, because what they feel, without even acting upon it, defines them as a seriously damaged, mentally ill individual. They live happier, better, and more moral lives. Okay? I ask you to ask yourself, which sentence is the correct sentence psychologically, socially, and grammatically? I am my brain or I have a brain? And if you answer, I have a brain, who is the I in that sentence that has the brain? I am Lawrence Simon, called by my friends and everybody else, Larry. I am a father, a husband, a grandfather. I am a tennis player struggling to continue to play tennis. I am 
a person who is doing this show and who hopefully is saying things that are helpful to those who listen and will listen. I am the person struggling to be responsible for the words that come out of my mouth. I am the person afraid of getting sick and old and dying. I am the person who's looking forward in about ooh, 20 minutes to open a really nice bottle of Australian red wine, which is a, a mixture of uh, Cabernet and Shiraz. They make very good Shiraz. The, 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 uh, and by the way, one of the best drugs I know, if used in moderation and carefully, is alcohol. That's why it's so popular. Of course, if you screw yourself up with it, that's another story. And then you could have real medical problems if you damage your liver, your brain, your intestines by the misuse and the abuse of this particular chemical. On the other hand, it's been around since the beginning of time where human beings are of, a, are, are, are of note, and human beings have been using it to add relaxation and luster and happiness to their lives uh, in, in all walks of life and in all societies at all times of history. A hell of a lot better than the garbage, the garbage uh, that comes from the drug companies, which in fact is making them billionaires while it impoverishes us and, and causes all kinds of damage that they even know about but that they hide. So, it dehumanizes us. It, it, it ignores the conditions that have to be changed, that have to uh, uh, be, be corrected, and not just corrected by each of us as individuals, but corrected politically by us joining together, by uh, defining ourselves in groups. Uh, one of the things that, that psychiatry and psychology do is to say to you, you're in this alone because it's you who are the problem. It's you. You have to be fixed. I remember, and again, I wrote about this in my own book. And by the way, I, I never really give the title of my books, but the last one I wrote I'm really very proud of. Uh, I don't because it's not easy book to read. But maybe I'm being condescending by not giving you the title and asking people to read my book. It's not cheap either because uh, it hasn't sold a hell of a lot of copies. I wrote this hopefully that professionals would read it, but I no longer uh, have any hope that professionals are going to do anything uh, but uh, take this book along with most of Dr. Zoss's book, Thomas Zoss. And for those of you who are coming to me first, go back in my archive and listen to the shows I did with Thomas Zoss, with Lou Wynn, with uh, um, Grace Jackson, uh, these are wonderful people who have also taken their lumps. Um, and I wrote this book for uh, professionals. I keep saying I'm going to write a book for the non-professional, but you know what? This book isn't that hard to read. It's called Psychology, Psychotherapy, Psychoanalysis, and the Politics of Human Relationships. Lawrence Simon, and it's published by Prager. You can go there to www.greenwood.com and order a copy, and uh, it's now, it exists as an, this last book I wrote, it's an electronic book, so I think you could probably download it, uh, if you will, I don't know if that's helpful to anybody, but anyway, uh, this brings me to, uh, I guess, uh, I, I gave myself an hour, but I'm getting tired, and I have about uh, 15 minutes left, 
If anybody would like to call in, I would love to talk with them. Uh, that is always my favorite thing to do. I see I have a couple of listeners, um, and uh, that's very nice. And so if anybody wants to call in, they I think they get the number. Um, if I shut down my uh, the show, you can call in at uh, 646-716-7756, and I could chat with you. Every once in a while, somebody does call in, and it's very nice. Otherwise, I may hang up and start happy hour a little early. I once said to somebody, well, I don't start drinking until at least five. And they said to me, it turns out to be an old joke, but it's always five somewhere. So <laughs> that's the case. If you like the show, please uh, give it a rating. Give it a nice high rating. Give, me a, give it a nice comment, because I find over the uh, year or so that I've been doing these that shows that have ratings and comments bring in lots of listeners. I have a couple of shows now that are up at the 1,500 downloads and listens. Uh, overall, my show, I wish it was 15,000 for each show, but you can't do what you can't do. And so uh, it's 15, about 15,000 for the total, which makes me happy, uh, makes me feel useful. It makes me feel I'm doing something of value uh, uh, with the terrible problems that uh, we are confronting and which my field based on the delusion that you're disordered or ill, uh, uh, only adds to. So, good friends, uh, uh, I'm going to hang up. I think I'll, if anybody wants to uh, uh, send me a chat mail, I'll uh, stay online for a few minutes. That would be nice, too. I don't have to hang that up, I think. But I'm going to hang up now on the phone, and next week, I'm not sure what I'll do. I'll see. Uh, actually, I'm trying to get an interview with uh, Robert Whitaker. And since I left, um, I, since I left uh, the organization, actually I was really forced out of the organization because I got people really upset by demanding that we start to talk about an alternative language for treatment because we're not treating anybody for anything. Um, that we find out ways of supporting ourselves other than with uh, third-party insurance, uh, I lost contact with some of the people that, um, that I uh, uh, you know, had friends with, and one of them was Robert Whitaker. So I've emailed a couple of people, and I think I should be able to get his address or his phone number, and I indeed will tr try to interview him, and I think you will love that interview. So I'm going to hang up now. And uh, uh, if anybody wants to write in, I will and ask a question, make a statement. Uh, Marion, as well, usual, I'm glad you're here. And thank you for that comment. I wouldn't have put those words together exactly because I'm getting a little rusty at this, I think. So take care and goodbye. <laughs>